and welcome to this podcast, part of Queen's University Belfast series Shaping a Better World. There'll be three podcasts altogether, each looking at a different aspect of the Belfast Region City Deal, what it means to business and people here, how it's boosting innovation in the region, building on Northern Ireland's strengths, providing an injection of much needed capital funding as we emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. Also, the exciting possibilities that it opens up in relation to helping companies in the region to survive and thrive and providing benefits for citizens through new treatments and choices and lifestyle. So we're focusing this time on the Global Innovation Institute and with me, Dr. Godfrey Gaston, who's Executive Director of ESIT, that's the Institute of Electronics, Communications and Information Technology at Queen's. He's the GII project lead. Professor Mark Lawler is Associate Pro-Vice-Chancellor, Professor of Digital Health Chair in Translational Cancer Genomics at the School of Medicine, Dentistry and Biomedical Sciences at Queen's University. He's the GII Health Lead. Peter Keeling is CEO of Diaceutics PLC, that's a Northern Ireland-based company, and it's a former Queen's spin-out, by the way, too, uh, in the area of data analytics and precision medicine. Diaceutics and the GII team are scoping out potential collaborations in using data to better understand the patient journey of cancer sufferers. And last but not least, Dr. Elizabeth McGowan, who's Director of Sustainable Agri-Food Sciences Division uh, at AFBE, which is the Agri-Food and Biosciences Institute. That's an NDPB of the Department of Agriculture and uh, Environmental and Rural Affairs. It's developing a strategic partnership with the Global Innovation Institute, building on its existing partnership with the Queen's Institute of Global Food Security. I'm sure that's all as clear as day, but by the time we get to the end, we'll all have a handle on how this is all going to work. And I must say, I'm very much looking forward to our discussions. So maybe, um, Godfrey, we could start with you and get you to give us an, an introduction to the Global Innovation Institute. Yes, well, the, the GII or Global Innovation Institute, it's one of five innovation projects, which is part uh, of the Belfast Region City Deal. Uh, it's based at uh, Titanic Quarter, uh, for those of you who, who know that part of Belfast. And it's very much focused on the, the, the work that's going on originally in, in ESIT, the Institute for Electronics, Communications and IT. And the focus really is around uh, innovation in, in secure connected intelligence. And, and let me explain what that means. So that's really around the area of, of cyber security, the wireless innovation, next generation wireless. And the intelligence is really around uh, data analytics and, and high performance uh, and scalable computing. And really what the Global Innovation Institute is doing is, is applying these technologies into a number of different areas. We've talked already about the health and, and agri-food, and these are areas where technology is playing a really important role. So the, the GII uh, essentially is looking at driving the, the economy going forward. So obviously coming out of the pandemic, the, the uh, need to grow the, the 10x growth in the economy and the plans for that within the region. Clearly the GII is playing a key role and bringing high value jobs and, and really driving that whole economic development of the region. The Queen's and particularly ACIT have, have a long history of collaborating with industry, but this is intended to take it to a whole new level, really, Godfrey, isn't it? I mean, what, that, that's something that we say, but, but what does it mean? What's that going to look like and what is the new opportunity there? 
Yes, well, it's been based particularly on our expertise over the last five to ten years in, in growing the cybersecurity ecosystem in, in Northern Ireland. And, and many people will be aware of, of the, the expertise and, and the growth. And indeed, the, the, it's one of the, the leading ecosystems now uh, in, the, in the world, in fact. And, and really what we're looking to do with, with the GII is, is explore that same model and trying to work with uh, excellence in the research and what we do, also excellence in the innovation and how we, we pull that through into commercialization and, and, and working with companies. So really, it's in, in simple terms, is we've, we've done it before uh, in the region in, in cybersecurity. Let's do it again, but do it again at, at even greater scale. So just to give you some numbers, uh, within ESIT, we have about 150 people or so uh, working in the Institute. The plan is to grow that to, to 500 uh, over the next number of years. That won't all be Queen staff. We'll be uh, working with, with companies and uh, Department of Health and, and uh, indeed other uh, stakeholders to, to work together in, in a collaborative environment. And, uh, and really, it's, it's pulling that technology together that I talked about earlier and looking at, at the different areas. One Health is, is clearly an area of focus, but just to be clear, it's not just about One Health. There will be other areas where we look at. Clearly, those technologies are applicable to things like uh, advanced manufacturing. Uh, financial services is, is another area. Um, but we're also aware that there's a, there's a need to, to, to focus as well. So we, we, we can't necessarily uh, look at all areas, um, but uh, One Health will be, will be the area of focus in, in, in particular. And I think maybe just to, 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 to summarize this, I, I kind of think of it nearly as, as, the, as the three C's as, as to what makes this unique. You know, so one I've talked about is kind of cyber. So we've, we've done it before. So that's kind of the, the, the first C. The second really is around collaboration. And, and that's really the, the multidisciplinary aspect. And I've, I've talked about a lot of that already in, in, in the different uh, technologies and, and different sectors uh, coming together. And the third C is really critical mass. And I think that's really important for, for the region. Uh, you know, some, sometimes we can be down on ourselves a little bit in the region, but this is really an exciting opportunity uh, to do something of world-leading significance for Northern Ireland. So we're really excited about it, and, and, and clearly that's going to be a, an important area going forward. Very interesting indeed. Uh, you, you talked about One Health there, and uh, Professor Mark Lawler, I mean, the, the, the plans for the GII, um, uh, that's very much at, at the heart of it, I suppose. As, as Godfrey said, it's not the only thing, but it, it is very important. Tell us uh, about One Health. What does it refer to? What, what is it that, we're, that you're looking at here? Thanks very much, Wendy. And yes, a very exciting prospect, and we really want to realise that. So really what we want to do is have a much more holistic view of health and actually think about, for example, health of the soil that we grow plants in, health of plants themselves, health of animals, health, of course, of humans, but also health of populations. And it's integrating that into one ecosystem where we realize that it's something that happens in relation to the soil quality, for example, can have an impact on food, can have an impact on nutrition, can have an impact on health. And it's bringing those, knitting those really together in a way in which really hasn't been done that much before. One Health is a relatively new concept and particularly in Northern Ireland. And we see the opportunity as being significant, not just locally, but on a global scale. Because as Godfrey said, we're bringing together that secure connected intelligence and then applying it in the health 
and the agri-food sectors really and that's really where that extra value is going to come and also how we're going to bring people together and we, we talk about collider and collider spaces and ways in which we bring people together who haven't come together beforehand to put their best minds together to really answer critical challenges that we face and they may be economic challenges health challenges societal challenges and it's really bringing that ecosystem together that sounds very interesting because i suppose we've heard a great deal uh, in recent years about uh, having a holistic approach but i think that some people find it a bit hard to to grasp exactly what that's about and in in some ways really that's what you're nailing down here isn't it looking looking at things in the round yes looking at things in the round but being very practical and innovative to find solutions so it's going to be very much a solution driven institute that looks at here are the challenges we face in whatever sector. How do we bring the best minds together, the best teams together to answer those questions, but also to provide support for local industries, for local SMEs. And we're already doing that. For example, myself and Peter work quite closely, Peter Keeling from Diaceutics, who you'll hear from later on, work very closely together in a number of areas where we use data really to drive those interactions, to drive that innovation uh, that we want to achieve. That's interesting. And Peter is with us, of course. And, and Peter, Diaceutics, uh, uh, Mark, just talking about it there, the, the city deal, um, I suppose, comes along at a very interesting time, even more interesting than, than we would have realised pre-pandemic. Uh, it's providing an injection of funding for a whole innovation infrastructure in Northern Ireland, I suppose. And as a business leader in the health sector, um, how important do you think that's going to be uh, as, as we move forward, come out of the pandemic and, uh, and grasp these other nettles? Yeah, indeed. Thanks, uh, Wendy. Great question. Uh, look, I, you know, I think uh, diacetics, I think as every technology organisation and other organisations on the planet, um, you know, have reflected on the last 18 months as an extraordinary moment in both managing teams and managing to progress business. But there are some, I think, interesting indirect consequences of all of this, um, which cross over with the timing of the city deal. And the first of those, of course, is the world has moved digital. Um, and in many ways, I think I read something recently where, um, you know, COVID has accelerated kind of digital acceptance as a, uh, a kind of a mode by five years. And I, I think I certainly would recognize that in the healthcare sector. Well, interesting, there have been many parts of that holistic um, pathway that Mark refers to, which have been resistant. They've been much more kind of analog in fashion. So uh, in many ways, what you see is the city deal arrives um, kind of lands into Northern Ireland at, at probably one of the most interesting and important timings for us as the world is shifting towards a, the look at uh, an understanding of data, the use of that data and uh, uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning, as it's often called, to really understand what the data is telling us. It's not just data for data's sake, it's data for good. What can we do with that information? And Diacetics is one of those organizations that represents how we're channeling what's great and good about both the analytical skills in Northern Ireland, as well as the data sets, which you know, Mark refers to these He's himself a conduit of bringing a lot of that data into play so that we can channel that commercially into the external world. I think the city deal just starts to put that on 
steroids, if you'll excuse the healthcare reference. Um, and, and I use the word for diacetics as kind of strength in location. And I'll be very honest, Wendy, you know, when I started the company 15 years ago, it, it was not part of the business plan, you know, building that kind of Northern Ireland roots. Of course, we were here, we were part of the fabric, um, but we were a virtual organization employing people in 19 different countries. But as time has gone on, it has been very apparent to us that there's huge strength in location here in Northern Ireland. And I think in Dastardix, we've really benefited from that to date. And I really look forward to benefiting from what I think will be, as I said, it's kind of a supersizing of that skill base going forward. I wonder, could you just put yourself in someone else's shoes for a moment and explain to me uh, and to anyone who's listening to this, what exactly happens? You know, what, what do you do with this, with the data? How does artificial intelligence come into play in all of this? I think, you know, there are lots of people like me who are absolutely not in, in the field that any of you is working in, who just can't quite grasp all of this stuff. And as one of my former colleagues used to say, it's like trying to nail jelly to the ceiling. Uh, and you look to me like just the just the, the, the person that might be able to distill it for us and, and put us in a situation of better understanding. I think the, the, the best way to explain that is to tell a story. And this is a real life story that is happening at the minute. Um, uh, so we are working with a, uh, one of many global pharmaceutical companies. And the pharmaceutical company has launched probably an extremely important drug in uh, acute myeloid leukemia, a very pernicious cancer. Um, where you have to treat really quickly. And the problem this pharmaceutical company has is that although the drug is potentially life-saving, it has to identify patients really quickly um, in order to treat them. It doesn't want to wait months or, or even years if, that, if indeed the patient has that. So you have to find those patients. In order to find those patients, you have to set up a kind of a diagnostic alert system across you know, different, whether it be primary care, whether it be hospital care, whether it be at laboratory, you have to set up that alert system so that a patient who tests positive, just to consider this, for whatever it might be, and is then kind of immediately sent over for a specialized test to determine whether they are a candidate for this drug. So within the last uh, month, for example, we've been working with this company, we've identified 17 patients who would not have been identified for this drug using the data and the data analytics that we have here in Northern Ireland. We've identified 17 people and half of those people have already moved on to drug. That will save their lives, Wendy. That is the use of the data that, that uh, Mark and Godfrey is talking about. That's the sharp end of what we do with this information to change people's lives. Now there's a very sophisticated machine that goes on in order to provide that information with that level of speed and accuracy. Um, and we're doing it globally. So it, it, hopefully that explains that, that when you bring data down to someone's life, you can find a patient who would otherwise be lost to treatment and treat them. And that makes such a difference to them and their family and their extended family. Well, that's a terrific way of explaining uh, just what, what I was asking you, Peter. Thanks very much indeed. Um, Mark was talking about One Health just a moment ago uh, and about uh, how it, it ranges from everything from the, the state of the soil uh, to, the, to the health of the nation, if you like. And uh, Dr Elizabeth McGowan uh, is with us this morning as well. And uh, Elizabeth, the agri-food sector 
uh, is critical to the Northern Ireland economy. We hear that on, on, a, on a regular basis and it's another area uh, that has faced very significant challenges during the pandemic and uh, actually seems to be facing, uh, if anything, even more significant challenges following the pandemic and when we look at the uh, at, at the whole kind of economic circumstances at the moment. Um, tell us a bit about AFPI's role um, as a research organisation in supporting this industry and, and how you partner uh, with university researchers. Thank you, Wendy, and good morning, everybody. So the Agri-Food and Biosciences Institute is very much at the biological end of the agenda. Our work um, it really focuses on three key areas, leading improvements in agri-food production, protecting animal health and um, human health, as well as protecting our natural and marine environments. So those three things coming together very much focus on being able to produce food, but in a sustainable manner. And of course, food, you know, within this one health agenda is both a preventative medicine and as such, we want to make sure that the food that we produce from our Northern Ireland land base is as nutritious as possible, is as safe as possible within the, the human health agenda. But also, you know, it has a key role in protecting environmental health. And I think that is a huge focus for us at the minute. Um, the, and where we see ourselves very much partnering in this space with the GII is understanding um, and using the data to inform decisions going forward because we are in the fourth digital rev you know, fourth revolution here um, whenever it comes to technology and the agriculture industry is very much getting that and I have a lot of optimism that technology will help deliver solutions for the challenges that we have within agriculture at the minute and, and the, the tensions between agriculture and environmental health. But of course, that technology adoption is the first stage. The data that that will generate will be huge. And the subsequent data analytics of that data will help us mine and understand exactly what Mark was talking about. You know, how does the soil and its characteristics affect the food that's produced off that land? help us produce um, a healthier product that's more nutritious as well as its safety. And even just helping the supply chain understand where maybe hot spots in, in pressure points are and building in what we call a, a safe operating space for food production. So that safe operating space is where farmers can have a lifestyle, can have an income, but as well as that, they're protecting the environment as they produce the food. So you know, we're probably, a bit further back than the health guys are with regards to our use of data, but there will be an explosion of technology now in the coming years on farms to help them manage their environmental impact. And through that, we're at the cusp of being able to harness data and really use it for data-driven decision-making in our food, food system. And Wendy, could I maybe just, just comment, because I think what uh, Elizabeth, uh, both Mark and Godfrey have said, it's really important to put this into context. And I, like many of the speakers here this morning, you know, pre-COVID, we all traveled extensively. And you're constantly benchmarking what we do against the rest of the world. And and whilst, you know, I've said recently, Northern Ireland, we may not be leaders in electric engines or, or rocket-powered engines. We are leaders in the field of what we do here. We are standing shoulder to shoulder with, I think, some of the, you know, the, the biggest and the greatest around the planet who are looking at this. And one of the key advantages 
that has always been said of Northern Ireland that is being leveraged here is our size and our connectedness. And we're, we're small, tight, but we are collaborating in a way in Northern Ireland that other, you know, industrial ecosystems would struggle to do. And that, that's a huge strength. So it's not just the infrastructure investment, it's the ability to bring a community of, of thought leaders and academics and industrial leaders together in, in relatively short order to make a difference. And it, we just have to keep our eyes focused on that. There's a, there's a big leadership play being, being worked out here. Um, Godfrey, I, I wonder about that. I mean, they, I suppose at the heart of getting the GII to do what it's, what it's supposed to do and to play this very crucial role in the Belfast Region City deal is to have companies, leaders, as Peter said, uh, involved. Um, are, they, are they showing willingness at the moment? I mean, are they, they beating your door down at the moment or do you still need to convince some of them that this is, uh, is the right way forward for them? Yes, well, I think I, I go back to what I said earlier around critical mass, and I think that has been a bit of a game changer in telling the story. And, and Peter has has, uh, has told it so well just there now, where um, there is a significant opportunity here that, that we have and, and, and people around the world and large corporates and indeed small companies as well are, are seeing the, the opportunity that, that, um, that we're, we're bringing. And uh, I think before maybe we didn't have maybe the critical mass in this in this area. I think what this city deal and the GII brings is the the, the amount of uh, investment, the opportunities to really grow. I talked about one hundred and eighty to five hundred people. That really starts to change things quite quite significantly. So yes, there's there's always we were our door is open. We would love to to speak to even more companies. Clearly, the the uh, innovation and the commercialization is a key part of of the city deal, as we've talked about before. Um, so we've had lots of interest from, from, from many companies, I say large and, and small, and, and indeed part of the building, uh, the extension that's going to be part of, uh, of, of GII, there will be opportunity for, for, for many companies to, to co-locate in the building. So we'll be very much working hand in hand with the researchers. And I talked earlier about the research and the innovation uh, coming together. And I think that's a key part of it. And, and Mark mentioned collider spaces. So um, we're having the environment and the infrastructure uh, to, to really make a difference. And I think that's what's, what's really exciting about the, the, the months and years ahead. Mm, certainly. Um, Mark, one thing I wonder about it is um, data. I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be the driving force behind what's happening here. Uh, it's, it's, it's what informs um, the way that, that so many things actually happen. But it's something that people are nervous about as well, isn't it? And, and, and small wonder uh, when you see how um, some organisations uh, are prepared to, to use the data that they harvest uh, about each and every one of us. And I know that, that you led a, a pan-European collaboration in developing a whole roadmap to restore public trust in health data, would you talk a little bit about that for us and about how, why people might want to engage with this uh, and, and how they might be uh, then able to see that it will be of benefit to them as both citizens and patients? Thank you very much, Wendy. Yeah, critically important. We've, we've talked about the technology, but public trust, the maintaining of public trust and the involvement of patients and members of the public in this initiative is really critical. Uh, one of the things we've done, particularly in the cancer space, is to look to empower patients and members of the public citizens to become involved in our work. And not only do we empower them, but they tell us they feel empowered. 
and they are able then to actually contribute to the conversation from the very early stages to actually make sure that what we're doing is not only effective, but also is responsible. And this is critical. And really, one of the things we're going to do as part of this overall program is actually engage in a conversation with the population of Northern Ireland about the use of data. Uh, because only if everybody is on the same journey together can we really realize the great potential power of data. But we need to do that in a way that's both effective and responsible. An example I'll give you is in relation to cancer, which is the area I work in. Um, and one of the uh, areas that we're focusing on in the context of GII. And what we've done is really look to involve patients from the very start of our program. And um, so they were involved in actually crafting what the research would look like. They sit on our steering committee. They're involved at every stage of our uh, process. And they also have a veto. So they can say, no, we don't like what you're doing there, or we don't think it's relevant, or we don't think it's actually in the best interest of patients. And that's really critical because it actually gives you a better program. It brings together everybody's expertise because patients and members of the public also have expertise that they can bring to play, for example, in relation to quality of life issues, in relation to if you're being treated for cancer and what, what sort of data can be used from that to give us a better insight. Uh, we've led in Europe in relation to not only that sort of responsible and effective use of data, but also using it for examples. COVID and cancer would be a good example. We were the first in the United Kingdom to show the impact that COVID was actually having on cancer services and cancer patients. And that led to a Europe-wide time to act campaign that we're now driving. So Northern Ireland, as Peter said, may be small, but we actually punch a lot above our weight. And really, that's where that enthusiasm but we have to bring people on that journey with us. If we don't and we just focus on it as technology, we won't succeed. And we're very much aware of that and have involved citizens and patients all along this journey and will continue to do so. Elizabeth, I wonder on that point, um, what about the agricultural community and being involved and being uh, on this digital journey, if we can put it like that? I mean. Um, uh, not not to to paint too uh, uh, hackneyed a picture, but um, you, we do hear a lot of farmers complaining that they've got far too much uh, work to do, too many forms to fill in, all of that stuff. You know, it takes as long sitting at the computer as it does doing the things that I really want to be doing. Are they buying into into this? You know, with the whole data, digital technologies, and are are they grasping? Uh, the opportunities and dealing with the challenges that it poses. Wendy, like any industry, we've got the bell-shaped curve of early adopters, pioneers, uh, and then you know the middle fifty percent. So, you know, the guys who are the pioneers, to be fair, very much have grasped technology, data, and, and really are, are using a data-driven business model to inform what they do on the farm and how they do it, and bring in new new ways of working. So. Again, in any industry, those people will be peer learn, you know, people will peer learn from those guys going forward. But I think it's fair to say that the agricultural industry in its totality do have a steep learning curve here, you know, to, to go through with regards to the use of data and, and how it can improve the business model and even just understanding how actually then it integrates right from the soil to the human health agenda. So there is a there is a space of work to do, but we have started on that journey, as I say, with those pioneers. 
And, you know, it's fair to say as well that I think skills, and Godfrey's talking about an increase of staff in ESIT, there's equally a skills agenda to be addressed in the wider community, um, right across the farming community, especially when it comes to the, you know, understanding of this data, how to manipulate it, how to use it, et cetera. And, and then to facilitate that, I suppose, and this is where GII really helps as well, is making it easy. You know, we don't, you know, farmers shouldn't have to sit with spreadsheets upon spreadsheets to understand this data. You know, and that's our role in the Agri-Food and Biosciences Institute working with GII is to make those dashboards and, and make sure that farmers are only seeing the data that they really need to see and not having to wade through huge amounts of it. Um, but that's where the research is and that's where, you know, the, the smart data analytics and dashboards can be built to facilitate that agenda. Peter, how exciting is the prospect of working in all of these different areas with, with, with people who are in Elizabeth's field of work and uh, you know, people who are in Godfrey's field of work, you know, outside that diaceutics uh, kind of health related hesitate to use the word bubble, but, um, uh, you know, everybody has, has their own work environment and there are other people outside it who go about things differently. Is that an exciting prospect for you? It, it is. And the, the, the problem with answering this question is that you could indulge in a whole lot of hyperbole. Um, but, you know, I'm 30 plus years in healthcare um, uh, since I came out of Queen's University many moons ago. Um, and in, in many ways, we, we are just sitting on the edge of what I feel is a, a, a probably the most interesting era in being able to use the information in a way that we've never been able to do it before. And someone said to me recently, you know, healthcare is not rocket science. And actually I corrected and I said, it is, it is actually a bit like rocket science because in order to get all those parts moving, you have to have such a, um, a collaboration of different people, of different stakeholders to make that happen. But here's probably to get to that essence of excitement. You know, I've, I've walked through um, the halls of our office recently as we've been bringing people back into the office. And I'm, and I'm watching 26-year-old somethings or 36-year-old somethings or, uh, and, and older who have emerged from the investments that we made in Northern Ireland to train these people. And, and you're watching, you know, global capability pulsing through the hands of these young people. And that's exciting. You know, they are tomorrow and they are using this information and this data and this capability in a way that is going to change the world. I, I, I do feel that way. And as we put more investment in, which is the topic of our conversation today, we will only empower and enable them to do just incredible things that we cannot conceive today. And just as the metaphor with it's not rocket science, but it is. Well, eventually you have to get the rockets up to Mars. And that's what I think we're going to see coming out of this investment, whether it be um, farmers more empowered to uh, identify how they do their crop rotation, all the way through to how we're informing individual patients how to take control of their own health. That changes, that changes the game. And I, I, I think that's um, where they were. So I said I wouldn't indulge in hyperbole, and then I did. But that's what it feels like. Um, I suppose, uh, Godfrey, we, we hear about the innovation system and it's very much in some ways what, what Peter was talking about there and not a bit hyperbolic, I thought. But what role will GII play as part of that 
innovation ecosystem here uh, in the region of Northern Ireland. I mean, uh, well, I suppose it, we're talking about the Belfast region city deal, but you know, also it's a pretty small place, Northern Ireland, and it's very hard to, to actually leave out the other bits. So um, what role is it going to play in that ecosystem? Yeah, I think it's for me, first of all, just to say, you know, the, the word ecosystem, we, we use it a lot. And, and it's just to really to, to define that. Uh, I mean, I think this is also plays to, to the unique element of, of the GII, really, to answer your question. And I think traditionally ecosystems have been around research, government and industry coming together, collaborating. And, and I think that's great. And that's definitely to be welcomed. But I think where, where we're going different with, with this, with the GII and the, the, the city deal in more generally is, is adding in that additional element, which is around innovation, around entrepreneurship, around investment, startup capital, all those things, which is really the engine. The challenge with most innovation ecosystems is if you, if you take some of the original capital investment away, if there's no engine, no innovation that to keep the ecosystem going, then it can very quickly fade away and, and die. And, and I, again, I guess partly go back to the, the, the cyber uh, example, because that's been how that has grown and developed. And, and that's why I alluded to it earlier with, with the, the learnings from there. So I think that's, that's going to be the key thing. The key thing is bringing that all together, bringing in that extra innovation element. Uh, and, and that's what's, what's going to make it uh, very different. I mean, the I we've all talked about collaboration. I mean, there are people who are doing some of these different pieces that we talked about, a little bit in the health, a little bit in the agri-food, a little bit in wireless, but actually who's bringing these all together in this ecosystem in, in a collaborative way? There's probably very few places in the world who are actually doing that. And, and I think that's really what's going to make the difference here in, in the wider ecosystem. Mm -hmm. How, Marker, are we viewed? Um, in the, in the world since since Godfrey brought it up, and I, I know uh, many of you have actually talked about this, but um, you know, health, agri food, and so on are en enormously important sectors regionally. But how are we viewed nationally and internationally? And can we, you know, people ask, well, you know, what about having a Northern Ireland apple or something on that scale? Is that a potential, or uh, are there other things that we can develop here that really put Northern Ireland on the global map? I think, as, as Peter said, you know, we are already on the global map. A, a good example of it is in Cancer, where recently um, Bill Dehoot is the clinical director of the National Cancer Institute, so the best cancer institute in the world, said Northern Ireland is now on the global cancer research map. So that shows that what we're doing actually is having impact, not only nationally, which is obviously very important, particularly for our patients, but also internationally. And I think really we're bringing together a winning combination here. So that sort of interface between cybersecurity, connected intelligence, agri-food, data analytics, healthcare, you know, bringing that together is the way in which we actually can do it better. And the other thing is small sometimes is better. Being able to do something that actually can affect the health of the population is really important. And it's something that isn't, it's challenging to do even in a country like the United States, which obviously spends you know, far more in healthcare than Northern Ireland or even the United Kingdom. And so I think we're already have shown our ability to, to actually excel, but this is going to really fuel our ability, not only to excel, but also to deliver. And I think that's where I'm really excited about it. It's that interplay, that interface, it's bringing together different skill sets to answer critical questions that are important to our economy, 
but also our potential global problems that we can contribute to answering and to finding solutions. And that's really what excites me about GII. And you know, I think you can hear it in the, in the virtual room. We're all really excited about this. We feel this is a big opportunity really to shoot for the moon or land on Mars to use Peter's uh, euphemism. And uh, Elizabeth, from, from the agri-food point of view, um, I suppose sustainability is one of the words that, that we're constantly hearing now, uh, I suppose partly around the whole COP26 uh, agenda and so on too. Uh, but also, um, when we talk about individuals, members of the public, those who are perhaps patients who are getting more control over, over their treatment or consumers who want more control over what they're buying and, and the, the, the choices that they have. How do you see those roles developing and perhaps you know, people being able or unable to make more informed choices for, for their health and for environmental sustainability, for instance? Yes. I think, and back to the um, previous question as well, the two link, I think the, the local agri-food industry is very good, but we absolutely have the opportunity to excel at that sustainability agenda. We are of a size, and it's been talked about already, you know, in Northern Ireland, where we can work together, where we can join the supply chains up, and, and data is the glue to do that. So I have a huge optimism that, you know, Northern Ireland food has an opportunity to be world leading. It already is is up there, but you know, really has the opportunity to put itself and cement itself as world leading as a sustainable product, um, which is healthy and nutritious. I think that the the coming together of the parts, as, as Godfrey says, you know, agri food with health supply chains. Um, I'd like to see a day, and I think it's coming sooner rather than later, where consumers can look at a pack and easily understand and make a choice as to you know how healthy that product is for me and how healthy it is for the planet. There is look a lot of confusion right there at the minute, and um, it's very difficult for consumers to make that choice. But you know, I think with this kind of initiative, we can absolutely smooth the way on that messaging and help hopefully help consumers because consumers are going to be the ones that drive this agenda more so than anybody. They are. We will need them to make the right choices in the supermarket around the food purchases that support the planetary health as well as the public health. So being able to inform them accordingly around what they're buying, I think is so important in an easy way. Um, because I said they're going to be the, the drivers of this change more so than anybody. And um, we're going to, the farmers are going to need them to actually make the right choices to support their livelihoods and indeed encourage the whole agenda as well. Very much a kind of snapshot in some ways of a sort of circular economy there really, isn't it? Just a final word, Peter, from, from, from you. Um, you. You said at one stage, you know, we're not making moon rockets and, and we're not kind of uh, leading the field in, in electric engines, but of course we could. Um, and that there is, the, as you've all been saying, enormous potential in this, isn't there? Nothing ruled out. There is nothing ruled out. And actually, I'm going to pick up on something that Elizabeth said. She was using it in reference to the consumer chooses um, the food in the supermarket. Uh, you know, we've we've lived ourselves lived through an era where you can now book your own airfare. You can go to your banking online and you can do your own banking. But the thing that has been withheld from us is the ability to manage our own healthcare 
paradigm. We're still re relying on what are some sometimes disconnected, whether it be doctors or hospitals, all those waiting lines that you hear, all of those are a function of a system that is somewhat disunited. When you put the power into the hands of a patient, a motivated patient, things change. And I think, again, everything that we're doing here, and I really like Elizabeth's uh, analysis, if we keep in mind, keep in focus, that what we're doing is to empower ultimately patients and consumers to drive the agenda, then we will be guided and we will do the right things. We keep our eye on that. So what's possible? What's possible is that, that you and I and, and our sisters, children, will be able to take control of their own healthcare and make better, earlier, faster choices. That, that's what's on offer. And I think what we're trying to do in Northern Ireland is to create the capabilities to allow that to happen and quickly. We're not talking here 15, 20 years. We're talking three to five years. That, that is well within our sights. It's fascinating. Um, thank you all so much uh, for what's been a really fascinating uh, discussion and such an interesting topic as well. Uh, Godfrey, uh, Mark, Peter and Elizabeth, thank you all very much indeed for your time today. Uh, we've been talking about the Belfast Region City Deal and in particular the Global Innovation Institute, the GII. It's part of the Queen's Shaping a Better World series of podcasts and I hope you can join us for the next in the series wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for your company. Many thanks to our host, Wendy Austin. For more in this series, subscribe to Queen's University Belfast Shaping a Better World podcast on all the main podcast platforms. <laughs> <laughs>